Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In today's Gospel, we have the Pharisees once again testing Jesus, just like they did last week. Remember last week in the Gospel? It seemed like the Pharisees and the Herodians laid the perfect trap for Jesus. There was no way that he could get out of it, asking him whether it was lawful or unlawful to pay the census tax. Well, this week they're testing him again regarding the law. Notice how it begins. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a scholar of the law, tested Jesus by asking, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Now, it's important for us to really understand the background information regarding the law in order for us to appreciate the context in which this story is set in. The law that God gave us was the Ten Commandments. That was the divine law that God had given us. And yet, that wasn't good enough for the Israelites. After they received the Ten Commandments, the Israelites kept breaking covenant after covenant after covenant because they couldn't follow the Ten Commandments. They couldn't abide by them. So what they did is they thought if they created their own laws above and beyond the Ten Commandments, man-made laws, that would prevent them from sinning against God. And so they made these or created these man-made laws, 613 of them. Now, 365 of these man-made laws were negative. Thou shalt not eat pork. Thou shalt not drink the blood of an animal. Now, 248 of these man-made laws were positive. Thou shalt pray every day. Thou shalt wash thy clothes on a regular basis. They governed religious life, but they went above and beyond, governing their daily life. From the time you woke up in the morning until the time you went to bed at night, these laws directed your entire life. How you were to dress, what you were to eat, how you were to prepare the food, how you were to clean the dishes and the cooking utensils, how you were to bathe. Now you ask the question, well, why do they follow all these laws so restrictive in life? Well, because the Israelites believed if they followed these laws, it would prevent them from sinning against God. They would keep themselves in a right relationship with God, and they would always receive favor from God. Now, when did the Israelites get into trouble? When did they sin against God? When they no longer followed God's laws, the Ten Commandments. So the Israelites believed if they added to the divine laws, essentially these man-made laws, that would prevent them from ever falling into trouble with God. So we can conclude these man-made laws were laws of fear. And why not? The sole motivation force of following those laws was fear of God. And what would happen to the Israelites if they broke these laws? 
Now, knowing all this, notice how Jesus responds to the question. Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law and the prophets depend upon these two commandments. Jesus now transforms laws of fear into laws of love. Love your God with your heart, your mind, and your soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. Laws that were once followed out of sheer fear and fear itself were now turned, such that the motivational force of following these laws is love and love alone. Essentially, Jesus is trying to convince the people of that time that faith in God is rooted in love for God, not fear. God doesn't want his people, he doesn't want us to fear him. Instead, God wants us to love him. See, that's why Jesus in chapter 9 of Matthew's gospel quotes the prophet Hosea, in which Hosea says, It is love that I desire, not sacrifice. Jesus really is getting at the heart of our faith, our relationship with God. Our life should be directed towards God's all-embracing love and mercy that he has for us. And as a response to God's love for us, God wants nothing more than for us to love God. See, this is where we sometimes get mixed up. And so it begs the question, what is the motivating force for you in your faith? What is the motivating force for you to practice your faith each and every day of your life? Is it love for God? Well, whatever it is, it will determine the type of relationship we have with God. Now, let me explain this in greater detail so you understand what I'm getting at. What I like to do is turn to St. Catherine of Siena, one of my favorite saints. St. Catherine, in her book, The Dialogue, describes three essential relationships that people will potentially have with God in their faith and how each relationship with God is based upon a certain motivational force. The first relationship that some people may have with God in their faith is a slave-to-master relationship. The slave fears their master. The slave fears punishment, worse yet, that will be sold to an even worse master. And so the slave is always obediently, solely out of fear. St. Catherine writes that some people have this type of relationship with God. They're very faithful. They pray every day. They come to Mass every weekend. They essentially do all the things that the church asks them because they're afraid of God. Worse yet, they're afraid of damnation. The motivating force to practice their faith is fear and fear alone, completely void of love for God. And yet, God doesn't want us in this type of relationship. St. Catherine writes, there's a second relationship that some people have with God in their faith. She refers to it as friendship based upon mercenary love. Now, friends don't fear one another, but at the same time, they enter into a friendship out of mercenary love. They enjoy each other's company, and that's great. Yet, their motivation for becoming friends is that each party wants to receive something from the other whether it's knowledge, wealth, power, honor, something of self-advantage. It's not based upon pure love, but of mercenary love, of the person's own self-interest. It's kind of like a quid pro quo. 
I will be your friend and I will do these things for you, provided you be my friend and you do these things for me. Now, some people have this type of relationship with God. They'll say to God, okay, God, I will follow all your ways. I will come to Mass every weekend. I will pray every day. I will follow all your teachings. Provided that you, God, you will bless me. You will bless me with a good life. You will bless me with good health. You will bless me with a good career and a good family and whatever it may be. St. Catherine writes, this is a very dangerous relationship. God doesn't act this way. God doesn't make deals. God, yes, he answers our prayers, but not always how or when or the way we want those prayers to be answered. If someone's faith is based upon this, it's very fragile. It's very tenuous at best. But God doesn't want this type of relationship with us. So St. Catherine writes, a third relationship that some people may have with God is one of lovers. It's a relationship based upon genuine love for each other, a mutual self-giving love. She writes, The lovers gaze upon one another, and they say to each other, My life is based upon you, and the love I give to you, and the love I receive from you. The sole motivational force in this relationship, pure love for each other. See, this is the relationship. This is the faith that God desires from each and every one of us. This is where God wants us to be from the very beginning of time. Now, notice the motivational forces of all three relationships. The slave to master is based upon fear. The mercenary love is based upon self-interest. But the lovers is based upon genuine love for the other. St. Catherine says, People tend to gravitate to one of these three relationships with God based upon what is the motivational force. See, that's the lesson that she's trying to teach us. Now, with that in mind, go back into the gospel. Now we begin to understand and appreciate what Jesus is really trying to teach us when he answers that question. God's motivational force in his relationship with us is pure love. God has given us everything that we need in life. First, he gave us life. Then he gave us our family. He gave us faith. He gave us a place to worship. He gave us his greatest and his prized possession, his only begotten son. Everything that we need to grow, to live, and to have life in abundance, he has given us. What's God's motivational force? Pure love and only love for us all. Therefore, The only proper response to God's love is love that comes from our heart, that is genuine and sincere. Our relationship, our faith in God, should be one of lovers. What's our motivational force? Pure love for God. See, this is why Jesus says the greatest commandment is love your God with your heart, your mind, and your soul. We have to love our God with our whole being, with everything that we have. If our relationship with God is based upon love, motivated by mutual love, not fear, not mercenary love, but pure love, then we can do that each and every day of our life. And here is the hidden grace. When our relationship with God is rooted in love, then it spills over. It spills over and touches all aspects of our life. 
especially those people that are in our life. It touches our family and our friends, our neighbors and our co-workers. Thus, we become a living reflection of God's divine love in this world. And see, that's why this is the second greatest commandment. And Jesus says, we love our neighbor as ourself. Well, yes, we can do that because it's a byproduct of our first love, which is a mutual, genuine love between us and God. Friends, in the gospel, Jesus, yes, he teaches us the two greatest commandments. But I think more importantly, he teaches us the motivational force to follow those commandments. It shouldn't be fear. It shouldn't be mercenary love. What do I get out of it? My own self-interest. Instead, the motivational force should be a genuine and sincere love for God. Like God's love is for each and every one of us from the very beginning of time. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.